0: Well, if you are a dad today, I do want to say happy Father's Day to you once again, and uh, I hope that you're being celebrated and that you're honored, And uh, because I think you have a tough job, and uh, in fact, I know you have a tough job, because I'm a dad too, so uh, thank you for being a good dad, and actually, I want to say to you, thank you for bringing your children to church. Most dads right now are not bringing their children to church e on Father's Day or any other day, but you're taking the time to say that this is important, and I think that that is really good so um you know i, I this is going to sound a little corny, but i just I just want to say i want to, you know a round of applause for all the dads for trying to trying to be godly parents, all right one, two, three. If you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to, to turn to Jude. If you don't have your Bibles, your phones will work just as well. It's uh, page number 1907 in my Bible. So, And two swipes and a shake on your phone. So uh, we're go- we've are we been going through, uh, we've just been starting a summer series called What is Real. And uh, we've been just going through the church doctoral statement Looking at different things that we believe are real and true and certain so that you can rest and have a good kind of relationship with the Father Uh, with that and uh, we uh, are kind of like this is sort of um, a starter kind of priming for the series. Uh, Next week, um, Evan will be teaching uh, uh, about salvation and sin and that'll be good. So if you can be praying for him, he's at the back right now uh, studying very hard. (laughs) So... And speaking of being a father, he's actually going to be a father again. So pray for him too. It'll be good. Um, uh, And so we've been going through the series on uh, just looking at the doctrinal statement, uh, trying to discern what is real and true. And uh, last week I said to you that we can't really talk about what's real and true and certain without addressing the issue of false teaching. So where we were last week, whereas we we were in the book of Jude... And uh, I was just trying to give you an overview of the book of Jude and what Jude has to say about this. And just uh, if you weren't there last week or you want to catch up, what we said was that Jude is uh, the brother of Jesus, or we think he's the half-brother of Jesus. And what we learned in the first view, verse is that he says, Although I was eager to write to you about the common salvation we share, I felt I needed to talk to you about something else. So, here's Jude and he's he's a traveling the best that we know. He's a traveling missionary and a traveling preacher and he's going around and he's telling people about Jesus. And quite frankly, that should be our main focus is that we shouldn't be talking about what's wrong all the time or pointing looking at uh, false teaching or demon after every rock, but we should be looking and focusing on who Jesus is and the grace and love in his undying and fierce devotion to both his name and to you, that we should be focusing on what it is that's true, not always pointing out what is false. But with the thing about Jude is that he wants to write and tell them, tell them I want to talk to you about Jesus, but I also know that what's going on in the church right now is that the specific church that he's writing to is that there are some false teachers that have infiltrated the ranks. And those false teachers, they're teaching you things about Jesus that aren't necessarily true, and we need to address that. We need to talk about that. We we need to have a, a conversation about that because the, truth, the what they 're teaching you is that they're forgive because Jesus has forgiven you your sins, you can live any way that you want that 's the first thing that they were teaching and, and saying to the this ju- this church that Jude was writing to. The second thing they were fa- uh, eventually saying is that the, they were denying the lordship of Jesus Christ entirely so Jude feels compelled he 's like okay I, I want to talk to you about Jesus, but We got to address this, and what we learned from that last week was that sometimes, in some ways, it is necessary to talk about and call out different false teachings that we're seeing in the church, specifically when it gets to the point where it warps the person of Jesus Christ and the gospel entirely. Then we need to talk about it. Then we need to have a conversation about it. Then we need to do it. That's what Jude is doing. So that's the first thing that we learned, that well, occasionally from time to time we need to stop. And, and if there is, there is a false heresy going around in the church, it needs to be addressed and addressed with the truth. And last, we, we learned on why. And I said that the two reasons that we need to address false teaching from time to time are number one, because it's subtle and we can all fall for it. And false teachers, people who are intentionally trying to deceive you for the purpose of some sort of gain are, are doing it with some sort of motive. They want something out of it. So number one, they're they're trying to get something out of you. They're trying to exploit you in some sort of way. And uh, that's, that's not good. And the other reason that I want to t- talk to you about that, that we want to address false teaching is because Jude tells us that inherently false teaching is useless. That if you <clears throat> if you live your life by it, everything from your relationships to your credit score is affected in a useless manner, and therefore it actually destroys your life. So that's sort of where we kind of ended, and I talked about why sometimes it needs to be important, and uh, the uh, other times uh, uh, because it's subtle, and because uh, it's destructive, and if you recall last week, we played a silly game where I tried to trick you into figuring out what verse was, what what quote was on the screen, was whether uh, it was a Bible verse or an actual uh, pop song. And the reason that I did that is, I, I did that because I wanted to see, I wanted to show you and illustrate how how subtle it is that a false teacher can come in and manipulate you. And I hope the takeaway from last week's lesson was this: is that I really hope every single one of you just kind of took time in, in your lives and asked yourself the question, if someone was intentionally trying to deceive me with the Word of God, how would I stack up based upon how how you did last week? Is this an area of your life like that you feel like you would have you have a discerning spirit about you or you, you would know the Bible well enough to be able to to spot out and the alarm bells would come and kind of come. How would you do if someone, if a real car artist came up and deceived you? That was more academic than your pastor, more charismatic, maybe more taller, maybe, or, you know, how would you stack up to someone who was really trying to deceive you with the word of God? How would you do? How would you guard yourself? Do you even know how? And so this morning, what we 're going to do and I 'm going to finish off this sermon uh, it won 't be as long, hopefully, but i 'm going to finish off the sermon by just actually telling you how to guard against false teaching in your life okay? and the reason i 'm doing this is is a lot of times i want to I think I just want to stop and I want to preface this by saying. Uh, pastors love theology. you know when pastors come together, they talk about theology, they talk about all this kind of thing predestination or inerrancy or super lapsarianism and all these big words and and most of the time people people uh, people kind of glaze over when we talk about stuff like that and so when we talk about the issue of false teaching, it can be actually something that a lot of pastors have a hobby horse for, but uh, people kind of feel well it 's not really practical. Therefore, I'm going to check out, and the the issue that I have with that is that um, false teaching is practical, and it's popular, right? And if you live your life by it, um, you are going to hurt yourself, and it's, so this is a very radical thing. It's not something that's like head knowledge, it doesn't, this is a very practical kind of like... This, this affects you in your day-to-day life, your marriage, your, your relationship, and everything. And there's a whole host of stuff I could I could tell you about that the church argued about. So my whole reason for talking about this is simply this. I don't want your life to suffer. Okay. I know that suffering will come in your life in some sort of way. Trials will come. But I don't want it to you to suffer because you got duped into believing something the Bible says that actually doesn't. And you got conned into it. So with that, I'm going to finish uh, the rest of Jude today. And Jude is going to tell us two things about how to guard against false teaching in your life. You ready for this? Um, I'm going to title this, Looking Inward and Outward. Right. So if you have notes or you want to write it somewhere... Uh, the way the Jew tells us to guard against false teaching in my life, in your life, is to do two things very simply, according, and I'm, I'm just saying it this way so you, it's easy to remember, is number one, you look outward, and number one, you look inward, okay? Let me read from verse 5 to 11. It says this, Jude chapter 1, 5 to 11. This is a description of, of uh, the character of a false teacher. It says this, Yet in like manner, these people relying on their dreams defile the flesh. They reject authority and they blasphemy the godly ones. But when the archangel Michael, contending with the devil, was disputing about the body of Moses, he did not presume to pronounce a blasphemous judgment, but said, The Lord rebuke you. But these people, meaning false teachers, <coughs> um, blasphemy all that they do not understand. And they are destroyed by all that they all that they engage in, like unreasoning animals. Uh, they only understand instinct. Woe to them, for they walked in the way of Cain, and they abandoned themselves for the sake of uh, Balaam's error, and they perished under Corin's rebellion. And so it kind of goes on and it kind of gives a description a little bit about what kind of uh, person a false teacher is. And basically, when I mean, uh, basically, if you need to discern what a false teacher is like, Jude is actually telling you the best way to discern what a false teacher is like is by their character, okay? Okay. He's saying, this is how you know that this guy is a false teacher. Now, I want to be careful with this for a minute because I actually believe that there are two kinds of false teachers. Okay? Number one, there is a genuine um, and um, well-intentioned brother and sister in the Lord who believes something falsely. Okay, Then there is a person who believes and teaches something falsely for the purpose of intentionally deceiving you to gain something, okay? So how do you tell the difference? Well, Jude says that the person in in this context, the people that were leading false teachings were actually infiltrating the church and teaching doctrines for two primarily reasons. Number one was money. Number two was promiscuity, okay? So a person who is teaching false teaching but is a genuine believer in the Lord that kind of person the reason how you can tell that that's going on is you confront them and they repent okay so a really good example of that would be apollos in the book of acts so in the book of acts what we learn is apollos was a was a man who was a very charismatic teacher he was a great teacher uh, people loved him he had he he and he taught really well about the Lord. But one of the things that we learn about in in Apollos' story is that when he was teaching about Jesus, he wasn't totally teaching everything accurately. And so in the story, Priscilla and I think Aquila come on beside him. They take him aside and they say, hey, listen, uh, we see that you know a passion about the Lord. We see that it's genuine. We just want to, we just want to let you know that this is what Jesus actually is, right? I forget the reference for that, but it's there. And so what winds up happening is Paul doesn't about switch and changes. Okay, A false teacher won't do that because of his character. And so when I say look outward, I am looking at his character. And the way that Jude does this is he kind of describes the character in two ways. He gives a practical kind of uh, way of describing him. He says this, he says, they rely on dreams, they engage in promiscuity, and they speak negatively about each other. And then what he does is he, then he takes three Old Testament stories, Cain, Balaam, and Kor. and he explains that these false teachers are going to be like these men. Okay? So we prime so what we gather from that is that the church that he was writing to would have had a really good knowledge of the Old Testament. so let me, let me just tell you a little bit about uh, the kind of person you need to watch out for who is teaching a false teaching. Number one, they will follow the way of Cain. Now, uh, what does that mean? Well, in the story of Cain, as references in Genesis, you know that story really well if you've been to church all, uh, at all. In that story, Cain and Abel are both brothers, and they both come to the Lord, and they both offer a sacrifice to the Lord, Right? And you know the story is that God was pleased with Abels but he was displeased with Cain. And because that 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 uh, Cain's was not accepted and, and Abel's was, what winds up happening is that Abel goes out into the earth, Cain and Abel go out to the field and Cain kills him, the first murder. We know that, right? It's a big story. So the question then here is, why did Cain kill Abel? And John in the New Testament tells us this in a very simple sentence is that Cain killed Abel because Abel's actions were righteous and Cain's weren't. And I think right there you have a great example of what a kind of telltale sign of someone who is teaching falsely and the kind of character that is them kind of shows up. If you have a person who is falsely teaching something about Jesus, then they will buck and they will they will push back and they will get angry at people who are growing closer to the Lord. A number of years ago, I I went through Freedom Session uh, before I got engaged to Liz. And one of the things I noticed about that is you would have these two people who uh, were a couple or they were friends or whatever. And uh, let's say, for example, that they were trying to, uh, they went through Freedom Session to kick alcohol. So they were going to, they were going to, They were trying to get rid of their alcohol addiction. Well, what would happen is is if they had a best friend or maybe a girlfriend or boyfriend and they were both alcoholics, and one of them started going to a freedom session and the other one didn't, and the other one started making changes, what wound up happening is the other person started getting angry, right? Because all of a sudden, because they started getting healthier and wholer and closer to Jesus, that started confronting their own sin, their own brokenness, and they didn't like it. So they started getting angry at the fact that, you know, they were getting better, and, you know, and they would start saying things like, you're being more judgmental, and all that kind of thing. When Jude mentions Cain, he is talking about that, is that a false teacher will be a person who pushes back, who makes fun of, who gets angry at, at a person who is growing closer at the Lord. Number two, he references Balaam. Balaam is a story it's, it's, it's a story, it's not as well known, but it is a, a very well known story. It's about a prophet who was paid to curse Israel as they were going through the promised land. Okay? So, this, so basically this guy comes up and he, he was bribed by a king to go out and pronounce a false kind of curse over the people. And he did it. He he would he, he initially didn't do it, for, but eventually he was bribed to. Many Christians, I think, a false teacher, I think, was willing to change what they teach for money. Okay. And I want to be careful about this. This is both. A, I would actually say that this is both. Um, they would teach. They would be willing to change what they teach for or gaining more money or actually the fear of losing money, okay? I think, uh, I think a lot of you know that there's been a lot of uh, weird bylaws and laws being passed. One of them about conversion therapy going on. And uh, one of the things that I get to do as a pastor is I get to meet with other pastors and pray and talk, and uh, we talk about this. And uh, when it comes to the biblical text that these, these bylaws kind of intersect with, one of the things that a lot of church pastors like admitted, both to me and other pastors, is they're afraid to preach certain texts in the Bible simply because they're afraid of making their church lose their charitable status. Okay? And so right now, I think there are a lot of pastors who feel frozen. And while I wouldn't go so far to say that they're false teachers, I would actually say that that is, that is a telltale sign of, 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 of an overall person who is, who is intentionally trying to deceive you, is it's about the money. It's about the gain. Then there's the way of Korah, which is, again, which I believe is an, a more obscure story, but the way of Korah is actually uh, is a, is an encounter found in Numbers chapter 16, and he, um it is a story about somebody uh, named Korah, and he, is, uh, and he and Moses is leading the people through the promised land, and Korah kind of comes up and he comes to Moses saying, "You take too much upon yourself for the whole congregation is holy every one of every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourself about the congregation of the Lord? Numbers sixteen verse three, okay? And his followers resented the authority that God gave Moses and Aaron. So basically, Korah is a story about someone rising up in the ranks, someone from um, the church body, and kind of publicly accusing and saying, who are you to be an authority over us? And ousting the people who, who got his place there. Okay. Well, you know the story, the story goes up is that God eventually judges Korah for, for that. Uh, And uh, what I want to say to that is why Jude mentions that as an example of a false teacher is that a false teacher is probably someone who openly and publicly accuses other Christians. That they are people that are fault finders. In fact, later in the text, it actually says that. It says they are fault finders, they are grumblers, and all that kind of thing. And so they are people, here's what I would say, is that I would steer clear, I'd be weary of any Christian who attacks another Christian publicly. Now you might say, well, Dan, you know, sometimes there are false teachers and we need to oust them. Yeah, I know that, but I also know that God's word says that you should never entertain uh, an accusation against a leader or an elder unless it's two or three witnesses are brought. So here's what I would say. I would say that the person that that publicly attacks uh, and it's the first that I've heard about it, I will I will choose to give the person the benefit of the doubt. But if I'm hearing it from multiple sources, then maybe I will actually give it, but I have, a, a false teacher is someone who will undermine the people that God has placed in authority so that they can usurp and trust them instead, okay? I had a great uh, senior pastor I worked under. His name was Ron Kaliba. And every once in a while, someone would level an accusation against me. Sometimes they were true and sometimes they were not true, Right. But I always loved Pastor Ron because he had this filter. He would say, okay, I'm going to, every time someone says, complains, or has a criticism against Dan, I'm going to put it in the back of my mind. Okay, so that's kind of strike one, right? If that's all he heard about it, he'd drop the matter. But if he heard it more than once, then he came to me and talked to me. I would be very careful of a Christian that criticizes other Christians publicly. And it's not that we shouldn't have hard conversations and talk about what's going on in other people's lives, especially people that are close to us that we, we need to have those conversations with. But listen, the truth of the matter is, is anyone who serves, from the worship leaders to the uh, people who take offering, to the Sunday school teachers, to the elders themselves, if you looked hard enough in every Christian's life, you could find a reason why they shouldn't serve. Okay? We're all faulty. We're all sinful. And that's why we're at church. Amen? Amen. So, to recap, a false teacher would be someone that would rely on false dreams, that engages in promiscuity, engages in an ungodly lifestyle, that speaks negatively about other Christians and other believers, that is angry at other Christians for going closer to Jesus because it exposes their own sin. Uh, they, they, are, they have an unhealthy interest in money, either gaining more money or losing what money they have and they challenge the authority that God has placed on other people okay? on the relying the dreams part I would probably just add a caveat to that and say a false teacher is probably someone who would force you to rely more on their personal interpretation of scripture rather than the Bible itself okay? so listen I'm up here because I think that some of you in gender you have some measure of trust in me to present the word of God accurately but the moment that I say to you this is my interpretation and there is absolutely no room and you got to rely on me and solely me don't even read your bibles then you have permission to fire me got it well, I didn't hear that right Anybody who forces you to rely more on the teacher than the scripture themselves, friends, that is a person that is dangerous. Okay, that's why we have the Bible so you can read it yourself, so you can judge what I'm saying to you as the Word of God. So that's the first. That's part one. Part one is actually looking outward. That's how you. Part two of guarding yourself against uh, false teaching is. Uh, to look inward. Verses 17 to 22 says this. But you must remember, beloved, the predictions of the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ. They said to you, in the last time there will be scoffers following their ungodly passions. So he's saying, hey, remember, we told you that there would be false teachers. They said to you, or sorry, it is these who cause divisions, worldly people who are devoid of the Spirit. But you, meaning the church, you as a Christian, but you, beloved, building yourself up in the most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. What does it say if, you're, if you have the text, say it out loud? Keep yourselves in the, the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to the eternal life. And have mercy on those who doubt. Okay. But you, beloved, let me repeat that in verse 20. Building yourself up in the most holy faith. Circle building yourself up in the most holy fellows, And praying in the spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God. Waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ. You understand what he's saying there? He's saying, guys, listen to this. I... There's false teachers. There's, there's people out there that are trying to deceive you. They're going to be subtle. Get, their, their works are useless. They're going to destroy you. This is the kind of person that a false teacher is. But here's what I'm going to write to you about. You keep the faith. You keep loving Jesus. You keep building your relationship with Jesus up. You keep being a godly person. You keep yourself in the love of God. The way that you and I can guard against a false teaching that I know is probably the best way is you and I pursue a relationship with Jesus recklessly and abandonedly in full force that you keep growing in your relationship with Jesus. Okay? You go closer to him day by day. You keep praying. You keep loving the Lord. You remain faithful to what the Bible says. You just don't kind of let off the gas, okay? Here's the reason for that. The minute that you start living your life uh, apart from the Holy Spirit, and you kind of start saying, listen, I'm going to live my life my way and not God's way, what winds up happening is you start dulling your conscience, Okay? You know what the problem with sinning is, especially the first time, right? Let's say, for example, let's take alcohol, for example. Let's say you, uh, let's say the Word of God says that you don't get drunk. Okay, so the Word of God says don't get drunk. So you kind of say to yourself, okay, well, I'm just going to take one. I can't get drunk off of one. So you have one glass, and you realize what happens after one glass? Nothing. Nothing happens. So you kind of say to yourself, well, that's not bad. Nothing bad happened. So I'll have a second. Maybe nothing happened then. Then a third, and then the fourth, and then the fifth, and then pretty soon you are drunk. That's what happens with sin, any kind of sin in your life. The minute you engaged in it the first time, the, the danger is, is that you are more willing to do it the second time. And the problem with this, is, and what, what I'm trying to get at here, is when it says keep yourselves in the love of God, build yourself up in the most holy praise and pray in the Spirit, it's telling you to pursue Jesus with all that you have. And the reason that you do that is because you become sensitive to what the Holy Spirit wants. But the minute you start living in sin, you dull your conscience and that's where the false teaching can get you. That's where someone can come in and kind of say, because your guard isn't up, you're, you're, you're like... Your radar isn't isn't up as much, and you, they you, they start introducing ideas to you because they know that your conscience is not as as attuned as it should be. Okay. so then Jude ends by saying, "You saying yourself, have mercy on those that doubt." So, friends, that's what I would say to you. I would say as we begin the series and in the summertime, I. I would actually encourage you to be aware of the false teaching um, that happens from time to time. Because the truth of the matter is, is most of the statements that we talk about in our church doctrine statement are under attack in some way, in some form. Everything from what we believe about the Bible, to heaven and hell, to who God is himself, is all kind of being questioned and bite back right now. And the arguments sound really, really, really good. And I just want you to be discerning. I want you to look at the character of a person and I want you to grow closer to Jesus so that you are aware. Pray and read your Bible. Surrender uh day to day to the will of God. Okay? And you will be able to guard your heart against any kind of false teaching that comes your way. Is that okay? Amen. All right, I'm gonna pray and we'll uh I'm gonna ask Mike to come up. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for the fellowship that we've been able to have today. Uh, And this weekend, to be able to be a a, a family, to eat together, to play together, uh, to socialize together. I pray as we continue to do that, uh, you would be among our presence. And uh, in Jesus' name, everybody said.